Book Nine, Chapter Four of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Four. A Modest Request quick though without a wish of speed was the return home of camilla she felt at this moment in that crushed and desolate state where the sudden extinction of hope leaves the mind without energy to form even a wish she was quick only because too nervous to be slow and hurried on so little knowing why that when she came to mrs burlington's she was running to her own room wholly forgetting what had called her from eugenia till the servant said this is the man ma'am she then saw parading up and down the hall a figure wrapped round in a dark blue roccolo with no part of his face visible from the flaps of his hat at another time she might have been startled but she was now indifferent to everything and only inquired what was his business he made no answer but by a low bow pointing at the same time to the door of one of the parlours and then in a supplicating manner putting together his hands as if begging to speak to her in private careless rather than courageous she was going into an empty room with him when the servant whispered her to be upon her guard as the man had a very suspicious look stopping short then she again repeated her question adding i can hear anything you have to say where we now are the stranger shook his head with a motion towards the servant that seemed to demand his absence alas thought she it is some gentleman in distress who wants to beg and is ashamed i have nothing to give him i will at least therefore not insist upon his exposing himself she then whispered the footman to keep in the hall and near the parlour which she entered telling the incognito he might follow but she was seriously alarmed out of her apathy upon seeing him cautiously shut the door and sedulously examine the apartment she wanted not presence of mind when not robbed of it by some peculiar and poignant feelings she turned immediately to the bell certain its first touch would bring in the footman but perceiving her purpose the stranger seized her by the arm and in a hoarse low voice said are you mad camilla don't you know me and she recognized her brother she expostulated upon his having so causelessly terrified her and inquired why he came so disguised he laughed heartily at her affright and extolled his own skill in personating a subtle ruffian declaring he liked to have a touch at all trades in case of accidents and have you come hither lionel only for this foolish and very unpleasant trick oh no my dear this was only for my opening i have a hundred smart freaks in my head any one of them worth a little trip to southampton besides i wanted to know what you were about how does a certain master edgar mandelbert do don't blush child what a little sly rouge you have been hate who tears my dear camilla what's all this she entreated him to make his inquiries of eugenia well you took me in i promise you i fully thought the young baronet had been the man 
and really he's as fine a fellow as i ever saw do not speak of him i beg oh lionel if you knew she was going to say how through your means that affair has injured me but she checked complaints which she now regarded as useless and therefore degrading and wiping her eyes asked if he had yet considered the large sum for the obligation of which he had made her seem responsible to sir sedley whom she should not know however to meet nor consequently however to visit in the county till some payment if not made were at least arranged pooh pooh my dear child don't be so vellum like you'll be fit for nothing soon but to file bills and score accounts what's two hundred to him hang him i wish twere as much again i hate making a fuss about nothing but come tell me something to raise my spirits i'm horribly melancholy i've some notion of making a little sport here with miss scarecrow how does she go on waspish as ever do tell me seriously lionel what it is has brought you hither two things my dear the first of which is the pleasure of seeing you and the second is a little amusement i propose myself with old dr hickhack hock i found clermont's had rare sport with him already it's deuced unlucky i did not come sooner clermont when did you see clermont don't be curious child i never encourage curiosity it always leads to disagreeable questions you may tell me anything you please but ask nothing that's my manner of dealing with little girls how did you like my sending the major to you was not that good fudge what do you look so grave for my dear you're enough to give one the vapours camilla attempted not to rally she felt pierced as by a poniard at the very sight of lionel the debt he had made her contract with sir sedley the secrecy it exacted the correspondence it had drawn on the cruel circumstances it had produced and the heart-breaking event to which it had ultimately led made his view excite sensations too corrosive and reflections too bitter for any enjoyment of a piety which her utmost partiality could not disentangle from levity the most unfeeling come come for pity's sake be a little less stupid i conjured you how terribly you want a good shaking shall i give you one by the way you have never thanked me for sending you that smart young tinker you are horribly ungrateful to all my tender care to provide you a good spouse what not a smile not one dear little dimple for all my rattle nay then if that's the case let's to business at once anything is better than mawkinish i always preferred being flogged for a frolic to being told i was a good boy at the expense of sitting still and learning my lesson and what business my dear lionel have you really any oh yes always nobody has more only i do it so briskly people always suppose it nothing but pleasure however just at this minute i am really in rather an ugly dilemma you know my dear girl there is a certain little rather awkward affair of mine which i once hinted to you lionel i hope at least oh none of your hopes with that grave face hope with a grave face always means fear now as i am already half shoes over in the slough of despond twill be horrid ungenerous to poke me still lower 
Camilla now began to tremble, and would ask no questions. Lionel, when he had silenced her, seemed at loss how to proceed. He walked about the room with quick jerks, opened and shut the window, seated himself upon every chair and every table, and then, in a half-passion, said, "'So you don't want to hear any more? And you don't care a fig if I'm hanged or drowned?' "'My spirits are not high, my dear Lionel, and my head is full and my heart is oppressed. If you have anything therefore important to say, speak, I beg, without trifling.' "'Nay, no, there's nothing new, so don't look frightened. It's on the same old story.' "'You continue, then, that dark, mysterious connection, O oh, brother?' "'Why, she's so pretty, so monstrous pretty, besides she dotes upon me. You don't half conceive what a pretty fellow I am, Camilla. A sister never knows how to judge a man. All the women like me prodigiously.' "'Indeed, Lionel!' You take an undue advantage of my affection. I must seriously insist that you mention this subject to me no more. I don't intend it. I intend to finish with this once, provided you do me one last good turn. Will you now? Come, don't be queer. I will do nothing, absolutely nothing, in so improper, so shocking a business. Indeed, I know not how to forgive you for naming it again. "'Well, then, I'll pledge you my word and honour you shall never hear of it more, if you'll only grant me this one favour. Displeased at the past, and frightened for what might be to come, she protested she would immediately leave the room if he continued this persecution, adding, "'How affectionately I love you! I need not, I am sure, say, but a confidence such as this, from a brother to sister,' disgraces us both and let me penetrate but not irritate you if i own that i much doubt whether i ought not from the beginning to have revealed this transaction at etherington do not be angry lionel has not every consideration been surmounted by the fear of giving you pain finding he still would be heard she was peremptorily quitting the room but when she had her hand upon the door he effectually stopped her by saying, "'Nay, then, if nothing will content you but getting the whole out at once, you may make yourself easy. The business is at end, for we're blown.' "'I must certainly be glad if such a business is at an end, Lionel. But how do you mean blown? To whom? In what manner?' "'To everybody, I'm afraid, for the husband's upon the point of getting at it.' "'Husband?' oh the deuce i did not mean to say that however it's out and as it must have been known sooner or later camilla now had an air the nearest to severity she had ever worn adieu lionel she cried i am sorry for you indeed but you must find another hearer for this guilty history i will listen no more lionel now detained her by force how can you take up the thing so wrong said he when i tell you it's over isn't that enough besides i promise you i have not wanted for my punishment when you hear all you'll find that too sick for speech yet too weak for resistance she was constrained to return to her seat and hear what he pleased to relate 
my adventure my dear was discovered entirely by the want of a little hush money tis the very deuce and all for a man to be in love when he is poor if i had only had a little hush money yes yes i understand that i but as to those paltry sums i have had from time to time since this affair why they could not be expected to last for ever and the first went to a housemaid and the second to the groom and the third lionel lionel is this a communication are these particulars for me nay i only mention it to let you know it's all gone fairly besides as to her being a married woman which i see is what you think so much the worst of all i assure you if you knew her husband you would not wonder he deserves everything such a tiresome quiz it was often hours before we could get rid of him you never knew such a blockhead the poor thing can't bear him but she's fond of me to destruction nay nay don't frown so if you'll believe me camilla you'll quite spoil your face well the fellow that threatens to betray us won't keep our secrets under three hundred pounds there's an unconscionable knave however i thought that better than a trial too not that she would have broken the heart at a separation you'll believe but then there's a certain horrid thing called damages and then my father's particularities and my mother's seeing things in such strong lights and a parson's son and all that camilla shaking and pale now entreated him to get her a glass of water and for a while at least to forbear continuing this terrible story he consented to ring for the water and then more briefly went on finding it vain to hope any longer for entire concealment i thought a private discovery less shocking than a public one and therefore telling my story as well as i could i stated that three hundred pounds would save both the expenses and publicity of a trial and with every possible profession of contrition and reformation i humbly petitioned for that sum from my uncle my poor uncle alas what unreasonable unmerciful claims every way surround him he is well revenged for mine i promise you there's no plague lost between us as you'll own when you've heard the end of my poor petition i followed up my letter according to my usual custom the next day in order to receive my money knowing poor uncle hates writing worse than giving well and when i arrived my mind just made up to a few gentle reprimands against naughtiness and as many gentle promises to do so no more out pops me the old butler and says his master can't see me not see me why who's with him your father sir oh then for your life cries i don't say i have been here but now camilla will you think me punished or not my uncle had a little gout in his right hand and had made my father open and read that very day all his letters if ever you knew old nick serve a poor young fellow a worse turn than that tell me so i owe him such a grudge for it i could almost find in my heart to turn parson myself camilla could not utter a word 
she dropped her head over her folded arms upon the table to hide her offending brother from her sight whom now placed in opposition to her all-excellent father she blamed beyond her powers beyond what she conceived even her rights of expression why now my dear camilla what do you hide your face for do you think i am not as sorry for this thing as you can be for the life of you however now comes the worst and if you don't pity me when you hear this you may depend upon it you have no bowels i was making off as fast as i could mum the word to the servants when in comes old jacob with a letter i snatched it from him hoping my uncle had privately sent me a draft but the direction was written by my father don't you begin to feel a little for me now she could only raise her head to ejaculate my poor poor father and then nearly in an agony drop it again heyday camilla how's this what not one word of poor poor brother too why you are harder than flint however read that letter and then if you don't think me the most unhappy young fellow in existence you are fit to devise tortures for the inquisition she took the letter eagerly yet awfully kissed in weeping the handwriting and read what follows to lionel tyrold esquire to have brought up my family with the purity of principle which the holy profession of their father ought to inspire him to teach has been from the hour that my paternal solicitudes commenced the most fervent of my prayers how my hopes have been deluded you have but too long known how grossly they have failed has reached my own knowledge but this moment i here resign the vain expectation that through my son the community might bless me may a forfeiture so dread not extend to me also through my daughters camilla stopped sank upon her knees and devoutly repeated the last sentence with her own ardent supplications joined to it before she could proceed a few words more must for the present suffice between us accident by throwing into my hands this last letter to the uncle whose goodness you have most unwarrantably and unfeelingly abused has given birth to an investigation by which i have arrived at the discovery of the long course of rapacity by which you have pillaged from the same source henceforth you will find it dry i have stated to my brother the mistake of his compliance and obtained his solemn word that all intercourse between you that has not my previous approbation shall here finally cease you will now therefore empty no more those coffers which but for you have only been open to the just claims of benevolence you will regard this detection as the wrath of ill fortune i view it on the contrary as the mercy of providence what were further pecuniary exonerations but deeper plunges into vilifying dissoluteness if as you intimate the refusal of your present demands will expose you to public shame may its shock awaken feelings that may restore you to private virtue i cannot spare you from disgrace by aiding you in corruption i cannot rescue you from worldly dishonor by hiding and abetting crimes that may unfold to eternal misery to error i would be lenient to penitence i would be consoling to reformation i would open my arms 
but to him who confesses his guilt only to save himself from punishment to him who would elude the incurred penalties of his wickedness by shamelessly soliciting a respectable old relation to use bribery for its concealment to him i can only say since all precepts of virtue have failed to show thee its excellence go learn of misfortune the evils at least of vice pay to the laws of society what retribution they require for their violation and if suffering should lead to contrition and seclusion from the world bring thee back to rectitude then thou mayst find again thy father augustus tyrolt another name i mention not i present not to this solid page an image of such purity yet if thy own thoughts dare paint it to thy view will not thy heart o lionel smite thee and say from her native land from her sorrowing husband from daughters just opening into life by my follies and indiscretions i have driven my mother by my guilt i shall make her blush to return to them camilla wept over this letter till its characters were almost effaced by her tears to withhold from her father the knowledge of the misconduct of lionel what had she not suffered what not sacrificed yet to find it all unavailing to find him thus informed of his son's wanton calls for money his culpable connection and his just fears of seeing it published and punished and to consider with all this that edgar through these unpardonable deviations from right was irretrievably lost to her excited sorrow the most depressing for her father and regret scarce supportable for herself well cried lionel what do you think of my case now don't you allow i pay pretty handsomely for a mere young man's gamble i assure you i don't know what might have been the consequence if jacob had not afforded me a little comfort he told me you were going to be married to squire mandelbert and that you were all at southton and that he was sure you would do anything in the world to get me out of jeopardy and so thinking pretty much the same myself here i am well what do you say camilla will you speak a little word for me to edgar shame now taking place of affliction stopped her tears which dried upon her burning cheeks as she answered he is well known to you lionel you can address him yourself no that's your mistake my dear i have a little odd money matter to settle with him already and besides we've had a sort of a falling out upon the subject for when i spoke to him about it last he gave himself the airs of an old justice of the peace and said if he did not find the affair given up nothing should induce him ever to help me again what a mere codger that lad has turned out ah noble edgar just high principled and firm half pronounced camilla while again the icicles dissolved and trickled down her face see but the different way in which things strike people however it is not very pretty in you camilla to praise him for treating me so scurvily but come dost think he lend me the money lend repeated she significantly ay lend for i shall pay it every farthing and everything else and how and when 
why with old uncle relway's fortune for shame brother nay nay you know as well as i do i must have it at last who else has he to leave it to come will you beg the three hundred for me he dare not refuse you you know in your day of power lionel cried she with extreme emotion i shall see him no more nor perhaps may you he has left england impossible why jacob told me unky was working night and day at preparations for your keeping the wedding at cleves i cannot talk upon this subject i must beseech you to reserve your inquiries for eugenia i must go to her then directly i have not a moment to lose if you won't make edgar help me in this business and i know he won't do it of his own accord i'm utterly done up there will remain but one single thing for me so now for my rockle but do only tell me camilla if you ever knew such a poor unlucky wight for before i came to you certainly it would not be easy to make that young prig do anything he had already declared against i found out cousin clermont what a handsome coxcomb that is well i told him my case for one young fellow soon comprehends the difficulties of another and begged him to ask for the money of uncle hugh as if for himself telling him that as he was a newcomer and a new beginner he could not so readily be refused and promising to serve him as good a turn myself when he had got a little into our ways and wanted it with my good uncle relville well what do you think was the next news it's enough to make a man's hair stand on end to see what a spite fortune has taken to me do you know he has got debts of his own of one sort or another that poor unky has never heard of to the amount of upwards of a thousand pounds he then muffled himself up and departed End of chapter 4 Read by Lars Rolander